Hello, and welcome once again to Wise-Ass, the weekly inebriated scriptural exegesis and source study, a production of the Oklahoma Atheist Godcast. Today on the show, we're back on track and in the New Testament this time. We're starting in on the Synoptic Gospels, the Gospels of Mark, Matthew, and Luke, uh, which are all written from uh, a very similar point of view. We're going to be examining the Gospel of Mark. Uh, we're going to be going along chapter and verse and, and looking at all the uh, parallel material that exists in Matthew and Luke. We're going to go through story by story and just sort of give our thoughts and any research that we've done on it. So it, it's going to be slow but thorough, which is, I guess, sort of the opposite of how we did the Psalms. At any rate, uh, now that we're in the New Testament, uh, things are going to kick up a bit in terms of, of production, and certainly we're going to be covering material that's a good deal more relevant to our own cultural situation. So enjoy the show. We're starting off into the New Testament. We gotta lay down some ground rules. But first, what are you drinking tonight? Not enough. Dabby? The blood of Jesus. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> oh damn it! Perform you should have all wine. I am drinking wine for that very reason. Oh. Have you been blessed by a priest? Well, as far as I know, maybe I've never seen a pre- priest going around blessing boda boxes of Cabernet Sauvignon, but. <laughs> But, you know, priests, they get up to weird things. You never know what a priest is going to do. Yeah, if I was a priest, I'd just go to a liquor store and bless all of their wine. <laughs> and be like, ah, you're all drinking Jesus' blood, suckers. All... <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, I'm drinking a Sierra Nevada Torpedo Extra IPA. Hmm. That means hey. Is it extra pale or extra India? Extra alcohol. Oh, good. That's good. <laughs> Was it like 8%? That's a good IPA. 7.2%. It's good. I mean, it's, I don't know. It's like a strong IPA. In, in mm-hmm. keeping in themes of IPAs, I am drinking the Full Sail IPA, which is fantastic. I'm quite happy with it. Sweet. I love Full Sail. All the beers. I'm at the complete opposite end of the spectrum. I'm drinking... Breckenridge Brewery Agave Wheat Unfiltered Wheat Ale Brewed with Agave Nectar It's delicious So from super bitter to super sweet To not hoppy at all Nice (laughs) With a nice little Film of yeast at the bottom Excellent What about you Chaz? I decided I finished my first beer And had a white And I'm having a white Zinfandel That's it Beer and then white sun. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're all drunked up. Alright, so we can start in on Synoctoberfest. <laughs> or is it Synoptoberfest? There we go. Thank you, Abby, for that correction. Synoptographs. <laughs> the, the Synoptic Oktoberfest. Synoptoberfest. Yay. Okay, so... We're gonna we're gonna go through these passages in the Book of Mark and the, and the parallel passages from Matthew and Luke. I'm leaving out John because its parallels aren't very parallel, and it just yeah. it felt like a pain in the ass to try to do that. And because it's completely different from the other three, it's very different. It is it is not coming from the same point of view, as it were. There's a few things that you're gonna see throughout the book that I want you to look for. You guys can bring up anything that you know of, but that. The three that that really resonate with me are the kingdom of God teachings. Jesus is always talking about the kingdom of God and its inbreaking, and you know what is that about? What what is he preaching? This message of repentance and the coming kingdom of God. That's a recurring theme. And then there's this messianic secret theme in in the book of Mark mainly, 
where Jesus will do some big miracle and then he'll be like, shh, don't tell anyone that I did this big miracle. And most of the time they'll be like, whatever, and go tell everyone anyway. But the idea is that there's a secret about like his mission or his identity or what, you know, what he's there for, why he's so miraculous. And, and a lot of that hushing is, is demons, but he also does it to people. He's saying, hey, you know, don't, don't talk about what I did or who I am. And the third uh, recurring theme that you're going to see is uh, the disciples are f- clueless. They don't know. They don't know their uh, from their. Oh, you have little faith, you know? Don't you? Don't you get the import of the fishes and loaves? No, you don't get it yet. Well, now I'll walk on water. Oh, you still don't get it. You know, they're clueless about who Jesus is. So not only is this messianic secret like being hidden from the populace, even the disciples are really slow to get on, on the uptake. You know, what what is Jesus here for? So, uh, and those, you'll see those heavily in Mark. You will not necessarily see them carried over to the other synoptic. They, they try to cover some of that up. So, uh, do you guys have any other recurring themes that you want to point out now so we can notice it when it happens? Okay, moving on. <laughs> Got a lot of material to get through. 90 minutes left. Should we say the obvious stuff? You like, sure? that yeah. Mark comes first? Oh, right. We need to, we need to back up and... Yeah. And, and that we're and, following Mark. That's why we're skipping the virgin birth for now. We need to we need to back up and talk about the um, the synoptic problem generally. And the, and the synoptic problem is that all three of these books read very similarly. They have the same pericopes across all three of them a lot of the times. But so the question is who wrote first and who was copying from whom. And I I subscribe to the fairly conventional two source hypothesis, which you can Google it. Is that Mark and Q? I, I go with the, the idea that Mark and Q are the oldest two major sources and that both Matthew and Luke drew on those two sources. But, of course, each of those sources yeah. is layered within itself and we can't necessarily discern what the layers are. So it's it's really much more complex than that. It's not like Mark was all just one block that was created all at one time. And really it's a lot of different stories being passed around orally and then being compiled and then being edited and then being uh, you know added to and taken away from. So it's really a very, very complex problem, and we shouldn't uh, we shouldn't oversimplify it, right? Because it should be it should be mentioned that these are written considerably after the actual. I mean, these weren't written directly by no. the yeah <laughs> apostles. Like these were written quite a ways after Jesus even. Yeah, the general and idea after- is that Mark was written in sixty five A.D. because he prophesied prophesied the destruction or a great abomination I think is what it's called and which is the the uh, their synagogue or, or the temple the temple which is which is what destroyed in 70 AD the, second the other ones the yeah. the abomination that causes desolation there's a lot yes. there's different translations of it but it's this this great abomination something uh, foreign armies d- d- defiling the temple somehow it's an allusion back to Daniel but it's also uh, like you know, what seems inevitable by 65 A.D. as the Romans are marching through Galilee on their way to Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So, so yeah. Uh, when I say Mark, I don't mean like this guy named Mark who literally was the scribe of Peter, because <laughs> that's just tradition. That's there's no real evidence of that. And if Matthew mm-hmm. really wrote the book of you Matthew, the then he would have mentioned it at some point. Like I was there, I saw this. And, you know, I was personally, when Jesus came and called me, Levi, Matthew, changed my name to, from Levi to Matthew, and then he called me, you know, he would have mentioned <laughs> something in first person. It's not like first person writing didn't exist back then. 
and Matthew never mentions that he you know he was in any way involved personally with these events. And and also he copies straight from Mark, which is weird because he should be remembering it from memory. <laughs> yeah. And none of the gospels say the writer and the yeah none of them actual no, nobody it's, nope. it's not like the Pauline letters where they'll yeah. start off at first and say hey I'm Paul and I'm writing this letter Luke doesn't no Luke doesn't either he but he does make clear who he's writing to the oh. person who loves God oh, yeah. which is not yeah which is more of a, more of a oh a, I don't think it's a name I don't think the name of the recipient is oh, lover of God yeah. it's just he's writing to the he he's writing to the brethren the people who love God the Christians. It was like, hey guys, hey peeps. Oh yeah, uh, access to Theophilus. Right, that's it. Yeah, it's Luke Acts. Two scrolls, yeah. one person, one coherent story. But we'll get, you know, we'll kind of get to that when we get to Acts. But, I mean, the point is that there's a lot of different ways to to interpret this problem of these three Gospels. And the theory that I go with is just one of them. There's lots. Of, there's people who still hold the Matthean priority. They think Matthew was written first. That Mark was like condensed from it. Yeah, yeah, terribly condensed and taking out some really amazing miracles. Not to mention the uh, birth <laughs> stories. Hello. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that seems kind of I, important. Yeah, I'm of the opinion that Mark's obviously like the simple like kernel that the other ones were built upon. I mean, it leaves off. There's the a lot of stuff that. Sorry. Uh, what was? Yeah. Uh, Abby, I'm sorry. Continue. Okay. I was... No, just like there's a lot of concepts that just aren't even in Mark, right? And, and we'll both see. Matthew and Luke uh, redact Mark in ways that make it look like they're embarrassed by some of the earlier material. <laughs> <laughs> and and we'll be seeing that as we go through these pericopes, we'll, we'll see that happening. And, and that to me is indicative of of the, they they make Jesus look more badass, both of them, when when they're rewriting their marking material, and they'll cut out stuff that's kind of embarrassing, like. When 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 Jesus' family thinks that he's gone crazy and they're like he's beside himself, let's take him home. They cut that right out because that does not serve their purposes at all. They're, they're pushing. They'd be so annoyed if the the book they spent all the time working on was shoved right next to the original, so everyone could see what they did. Yeah, they would be annoyed. I'm sure. Yeah, I was saying that I I actually brought it to my Christian friend who's not a radical or anything, but I was like, yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm reading the New Testament now, and I'm uh, going to read them all parallel to one another. He goes, oh, really? Like, yeah, I'm going to find a discrepancy and shit. <laughs> I suggest you do that, too. <laughs> and it, it is, it is uh, like, like you say, it, it's kind of a pain in the ass because you're, you're reading the same stuff over and over. But you've got to look for the differences. That's really the challenge there. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if you're just if you're just reading it narratively, you're like, I just read the same thing three times. Well, you were yeah. going to read it three times anyway. Uh, going through chron- like chronologically, if we just if we'd have stuck with the daily link, we'd have gone through these stories three times. It's just that we wouldn't have noticed the differences. Yeah, we just had to go through them three times. Be like, oh yeah, I remember that story. But by the time you get to the Matthew or to the Mark from the Matthew, you're like, you know, you don't see the difference. You're not going to remember the tiny differences. Yeah. Yeah. which is why they yeah, have you probably- read Matthew first because you get the higher Christology and the. The, the better uh, story, and then you read Mark, and you're just like, yeah, yeah, uh-huh, yeah. Mm. Mark doesn't add anything to Matthew, so you kind of skip over Mark, and then you go straight to Luke, and you get more interesting stories, and and that way you don't notice these differences. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I, I probably read through the all four Gospels dozens of times growing up and never noticed anything. Mm-mm. That's because nobody bothered to give you a nice link that puts them all in parallel. <laughs> I hadn't read Bart Ehrman yet. For which we are very grateful. Yeah, truly. It is a whole hell of a lot easier. Uh, uh, yeah. 
Oh, thanks for the table too, Abby. That's that's helpful. Um, oh, yeah. I think that Luke's preamble is a great way. Is actually the first thing you should read before you. Jazz. Hello. Oops. <laughs> Luke got it. Does the microphone come unplugged? Somebody does not agree with Jazz, and it wasn't me. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. Have that or he he set a hot key for is it his back mute. in. Yeah. There, oh, you, yeah. there he is. Sorry, I'm. I was. I was twitching it nervously. Guns um, your microphone. Yeah. <laughs> I was saying. I think that Luke is a good. Luke's preamble is actually good to read before you do any of the Gospels. Because, yes, it talks about how, you know, who his audience is, but he also makes it very obvious that he's not first person and that many people have tried to retell the stories of Jesus in the past and that this is just his story and he's trying to do the best he can to bring them all together. That's true. That's true. Oh, yeah. But we're supposed to cover that in week four, though. I know, but I just think it's just great to start off with that. (laughs) Uh, anyway, um, all right, I want to drill through this as fast as we can. I don't expect us to get through all 38 tonight. We'll get as far as we can, and then next time we'll get as far as we can. Um, we've got all month. We've got all of Synoctober, Synoptoberfest. <laughs> Synoptoberfest! Okay, so it starts off, there's some brief introduction stuff, and then it goes straight into John the Baptist. John the Baptist is preaching. And Mark borrows, you know, goes back to the Old Testament and pastes together Malachi 3.1 and Isaiah 43 and calls that a prophecy. Um, he's like, you know, I can just take whatever bits of the Old Testament I want and I can cut and paste them back to back. And bam, like that explains why John is preaching the way he is. So, and bam, welcome to the New Testament. Right. So so we, we're, we're kind of warned right up front that we shouldn't expect a whole lot of intellectual honesty out of uh, the uh, the gospel writers. This. Because they are gonna they're gonna roll uh, fast and loose with the Old Testament. Christianity quote mining since the first century. <laughs> yeah, basically. And and Mark doesn't bother to tell you that he's quoting two from two different passages either. He just makes it sound like it's all coming from Isaiah. So it's, well, it's written it's, right there in the footnotes. Oh well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose that the divinely inspired word of God did anticipate that footnotes would happen eventually. <laughs> Because God sees this coming two thousand years away. I don't know. So it, it strikes me as the sort of thing that we would we would mark someone down in an essay for doing that. We would say, no, no, that's that's really shitty what you did right there. You failed to to cite your sources properly. But here, it's just normal how they wrote gospels, I guess. I don't think the MLA format was a requirement. <laughs> so Mark Mark says it's Isaiah. And then Luke says it's the prophets and Isaiah. No, the words of Isaiah and the prophet. And then, oh, I'm thinking of a, a, so a textual variant. Never mind. I guess there's versions where they attribute it to, um, to the prophets and Isaiah. Hmm. No, Mark but, and Matthew uh, both attribute it to Isaiah. Well, I mean variants of of of, of Mark. Oh, variant or, manuscripts, you mean? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Luke does even more. Yeah, I was going to say that. But it seemed like Luke even expanded it additionally outside of the... I found a cool website. Wait, I'll send you guys a link. It has all four of them like in parallel on the same page. Oh, like in columns side by side? Yeah. It's a little funky, but it's kind of neat. Okay, so any any comments on this whole uh, the John the Baptist thing? 
Locusts. Oh, and when I say pericope, I mean like each of these little, each of these little segments, each of these thirty-eight segments is a pericope unto itself. It's it's like a, co- a coherent uh, idea. Yeah, like so, a little vignette. Something. Yes, a pericope is like a it's like a Bible scholar word for vignette. It's like a little coherent story unto itself that you'll see in all three. Uh, well, usually in all three synoptics. So, I remember hearing that term in church. Yeah, it's one of those little Bible scholar terms, and I, I guess I could say story, but I mean story in a technical sense. I mean each of these, whether it's narrative or parable or whatever it is, it's a coherent idea unto itself, and it gets copied across gospels. Yeah, it's it's like. It doesn't quite make a narrative, except that they're in order, sort of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I noticed some, um, I guess we'll get to it, but the scene when he's on the boat, it looked like even in Mark there's some stuff being repeated. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, like, yeah. It's like Lego blocks that people assembled in different manners. Well, like they have the feeding of the 5,000, and then later on they have the feeding of the 4,000. So it's like oh, the yeah. same story mm-hmm. that just got like retransmitted two different paths, and so one... In one story, it's... Well, we'll get to that. Anyway. Okay, so uh, are we done with the first pericope? You guys have anything? Yeah. There? Paul points out that Luke is reading it from a different translation, which I think is correct. Yeah, or a more expanded one, for sure. <laughs> well, Luke was a Greek, wasn't he? I have no idea who Luke was. But but Luke definitely expanded his... Um, he, he included Isaiah 40, uh, verse 5, whereas the other ones only went with Isaiah 40, verse 3. Oh. Yeah, so Luke quotes more of Isaiah. So, uh, yeah, oftentimes you'll, you'll see this. The, the later synoptics will expand on something. So, John foretells the Messiah is the second uh, pericope that we're looking at, and it's uh, in Mark 1 verses 7 through 8, and the parallels you can find in your footnoted Bible. It'll tell you where to go for Matthew and Luke. I'm not going to read all of the verses. I'm just going to read the Mark in verses, unless you guys really think I should go above no. and beyond. Okay. No, I wouldn't worry about it. John foretells the Messiah in Mark uh, 1, 7 through 8. And it, to me, this early on, it even became apparent that it definitely got more and more embellished further that we got from the original Mark and stories. Well, yeah, because Mark, uh, Matthew and Luke are both adding a bunch of stuff that's not in Mark here. Right. Um, which is sort of when we get into that Q source hypothesis. Like, how is it that Matthew and Luke both agree that Jesus said wacky shit about an unquenchable fire and and chaff being burned therein and a winnowing fork, all these ominous agricultural metaphors? How is it that Matthew and Luke both have those and Mark doesn't have any of that? Well, that's the Q source. Uh, or uh, apparently, um, so it's possible that there was a sayings gospel going around with just sayings in it, and some of those sayings were more um, expanded in Q than they were in Mark's source. So like, they'd have the... both the, they'd have the saying about the baptized with water, but then Q would go on and add more. Mm. Isn't the Gospel of Thomas a sayings gospel? Yes, yes, it is, but it's but it's, it's not Q. No, it it has some of the some commonalities with Q, but it's thought to be second century. It's it's arguable. It's arguable though. I mean, we don't really know if it's if it's rooted in a much earlier saying's gospel because so, those were all burned, right? There's a they burned a lot of stuff. That, that, that Gnostic stuff is pretty heavily suppressed, so it's hard to know. 
but um, well, any any more comments on on this John the Baptist? Kind of an interesting figure. Like they're writing about Jesus, why would they have the stuff about this other prophet guy? I'm tempted to think that that John the Baptist was actually a historical figure uh, that loomed large in the Jewish consciousness, and that the Jesus movement was trying to co-opt him to their own purposes. Hence, all that language mm-hmm. about how Jesus is so much greater than him. They keep adding that in. You know, after me one's coming who's mightier than I, and I'm not fit to tie his shoes, and he's, uh. he's going to do all this amazing shit in, in Matthew and Luke with the agricultural stuff. So they're, they're basically saying, yes, yes, we all know that you guys respect John the Baptist. Well, here's what he said about our guy. <laughs> our guy's amazing. And, and that, other, that other guy that you guys respect already... He said that. Mm-hmm. No, really, he did. He said all that. <laughs> Seriously, yes. He yeah, said it. yeah. So that so they start off by like kind of co-opting Isaiah and other prophets, and now they're also co-opting contemporary, uh, you know, rabbinical yes. or uh, whatever you call itinerant preachers back then. Mm-hmm. Sources. Well, there's, I've heard theories that he was um, he was a Senian. He was part of the. the the separatist group that, or whatever they were, they were monks or something. They might have written the Dead Sea Scrolls. Yeah, the Essenes at Qumran. Essenes, yeah. Maybe that's a whacked out theory, but I heard it. I've heard that a couple times too. That is probably true. So, what verse are we on? We're moving on in, all the way to Mark 1 9 now. We're all the way on verse 9. We're starting in, in John the, in, into the next baptizes. story where John baptizes Jesus. Indeed. In Mark 1, verses 9 through 11. Oh, the dove. This is another case where you can see that Matthew is clearly embarrassed at, at having Jesus like seem like he's subordinate to John. Because, I mean, John's baptizing for repentance, and like Jesus comes to him to get baptized, right? And that's just kind of weird, if you think of Jesus as like this super holy, never sinful kind of guy. Uh, so it's not enough to have the Holy Spirit descending upon him like a dove, which is pretty amazing. Uh, in, in the book of Mark, you know, God, God's Spirit comes down upon Jesus, which seems to kind of imply that Jesus hasn't always been the Son of God, but, like, he's becoming the Son of God right there and then in Mark 1-9, uh, or, one, um, yeah, 1-9 through 11, that, like, Jesus is assuming this the Son of God role right there as the Spirit comes upon him. And there are sects that believe that. Uh, well, it makes sense with the water washing clean, becoming new. It just right. makes sense, right? But in in Matthew, uh, Jesus, when Jesus gets there, he's already super amazing and holy. And John's like, "Wait a minute, you don't need this baptism. Uh, you don't need this yeah. baptism to be cleansed from sin because you're amazing and sinless." And Jesus is like, "Shush, shush, shush. We got to fulfill the proper forms. We just have to do this to you know, for the sake of fulfilling righteousness or something." But it's not that I'm sinful. Yeah, I get it. I'm not sinful. I don't need this this baptism of yours, John. But I need you to do this as an example or something. And so Matthew's changing the theology of it. He's making he's making Jesus come to John already like perfect, and and then doing this is just sort of a formal thing. Yeah. <laughs> if you just look at like Mark and Matthew, you see this a very different message here because Jesus is just too amazing to to bother being baptized in Matthew. But he does it for the sake of setting an example or yeah. something. Yeah, and Mark Jesus hasn't even spoke till this point. Right. And so the first voice you hear is from heaven. <laughs> you are my <laughs> beloved son. <laughs> Matthew. Matthew's basically retconning. <laughs> he retconned Mark. 
Mm-hmm. This is so not canon. So, Jesus was tempted in the desert. By Satan. By Satan, which yeah. is really interesting because this, this is great. Is, Paul, you have to say what verses you're in now. We're in Mark. 112 to 113. Thank you. Exactly. It's really short. It is. Yeah. But they expand on it's it. It's really short in Mark. Twice, yeah. We have a very tempted. active agent <laughs> known as Satan all of a sudden. He's not just some adversary. No, no. It's not the adversary. It's not even the snake. This is pretty... He's done a lot of character development in the intertestament period. <laughs> That's what he's been up to. Yeah, I guess we <laughs> missed that part. So in Mark, <laughs> it's basically just really bare bones. Like, the spirit takes Jesus out to the wilderness, and he's tempted by Satan. He was with the wild beasts. I don't know what that means. And the angels minister to him. That's it. That's all you get in Mark. Whereas in, in Matthew 4, 1 through 11, and in uh, Luke 4, 1 through 13, you get way more material. And it's highly parallel between Matthew and Luke here. Uh, and, and it's way beyond what Mark put in. There's, it's like, one of the few times that I don't like Mark, and I like the other two. Well, I think, I think, I think it's really interesting that, like, I mean, the idea that Matthew wrote first, and Mark's like, screw that, I'm gonna leave that out. I mean, come on, really? <laughs> Jesus is, is facing up to Satan in person, in the desert, and quoting the Old Testament, and Mark's like, screw it, I'm just gonna cut all that. Like, <laughs> really? I mean, really, was he short on scroll? What the, the Christian <laughs> hypothesis is mostly that they're writing to different audiences, though, isn't it? Oh, yeah, because what audience is going to not want to see Jesus talking to Satan and quoting the Old Testament at him? <laughs> uh, the Christian audience loser. is like, fuck that. We don't need that. <laughs> we don't need the Son of God facing up to Satan himself in the wilderness. I mean, shit, to this day, they're still writing songs about it. <laughs> yeah. So what's the stuff about Satan taking Jesus to the top of the temple and, like, daring him to jump? Isn't that weird? You want to jump, right? You want to jump? I swear I read an explanation of it, but I can't remember where or even what it was. Well, the mountain, he was offering him the earth, right? Yeah, and then all the, the kingdoms. At the top, right. And then at, yeah. at the temple, he was actually saying, yeah, jump off and angels will save you. Yeah, so he's basically saying you should go angel surfing. It rules. <laughs> angel surfing I yeah. love that because like it's like it's kind of like uh, when you jump out of an airplane but without the uh, the need for a parachute so it's just it's just extreme sport <laughs> <laughs> extreme sport written in the Old Testament is he like betting him to like like this is what the, the Old Testament says it'll I bet it'll happen prove it right uh, yeah, yeah, I guess that's what it is. Saying, oh, it's it's written. Prove that he's the son of God. He's saying, I'm, I dare you to prove that you're really the son of God. Yeah, sure. That's, uh, okay. that's the temptation. I'm not sure why Jesus would need to prove it to him, because if ordinary, like, subpar demons who hang out in the tombs know that he's the son of God, then surely Satan himself would have gotten the memo. You know, because, like, later on throughout Mark, like, Jesus has to keep telling these demons, shut up, I know that I'm the Son of God, now you shut up about it. So why is it he would feel the need to prove that? Is it about proving well, God's he, power? Like, God has power over gravity. It. No, but, like, if, if that's the temptation, if, if the temptation is not, like, that you get to surf angels, but the temptation is that you get to prove that you're really the Son of God, oh. then where's the temptation there? Because, like, presumably Satan knows. So I don't know. I'm not sure what what the temptation is here. I mean, it's 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 not extreme sport, I assume, and it's not like this. Is it? Is it? This people just want to test God? Is that the temptation? Like, 
don't 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 test God. Is that is, is it basically it's saying to believers like don't subject your faith to critical inquiry because it's not okay to test God? Is that really the meme that they're trying <laughs> to I give us here? Me. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was saying. It's like him, the writer telling people like, yeah, you you shouldn't really <laughs> ask for signs. <laughs> Don't don't put out a fleece but, and ask God to make it yeah, wet or something like that. Don't be a whiny bastard. But in Matthew, that's when he's like, is he, is he openly magical in Matthew? Because he's secret. He's secretly magical in Mark. Yeah, he's he's pretty he's pretty uh, openly magical in Mark. It's just that he keeps telling people to shut up about it. You know, he'll, <laughs> yeah. he'll oh, yeah. do all these dramatic healings, and he'll be like, "Don't tell anyone I raised your daughter from the dead." Okay. <laughs> In front of tons of people. Right. Like, all of you... Now, you know, the thing is, if he's that magical, he could have just magically stopped their mouths about it, you know? Just... Thank God, if the men in black have a neuralizer, doesn't Jesus? That's what I'm saying. A retcon. Oh, perfect place for a retcon. Why do we keep bringing retcon into this? Because <laughs> <laughs> it needs to be a comic book. I anticipated problems tonight. I did not anticipate Sorry. that, like, retcon would be a recurring theme. <laughs> I anticipate Star Wars... I asked you for recurring themes. No one brought up retcon at the beginning of the show. <laughs> Retroactive continuity. Yeah. <laughs> now I had to look it up. It's your fault. You <laughs> made me go look well, it up. Yeah, I think the way that the, uh, that Jesus answers the questions, like you said, is is the perfect way that um, a person can answer a critic and sound humble and make the criticizer seem like a fool for even asking. Which part you know, of this? You know what I mean? Don't put God to the test part? Don't put God to the test. Yeah. Like, I'm humble. I'm not going to test God. It's not about I me. know what I am. Yeah. And the crowd goes wild. Did you guys have, have a red letter on here? Because it, it rules to have red letter on. I should mention that. Because you, you can see these differences much more easily when you have the red letter on. Like, both Matthew and Luke have Jesus saying a bunch of things, like dialogue, whereas Mark has no Jesus dialogue in this pericope. And that's kind of interesting that, you know, they'd have all this dialogue and Mark didn't have it. Mm. And also, you get to see that Jesus said, Go, Satan! Which, you know, if you put that comma in there, it sounds like, Go, Satan! <laughs> so, like... Now you can actually quote Jesus to your friends and say, you know, in Matthew 4.10... Well, at the end of <laughs> both, both Matthew and Luke, it's, he just tells Satan, or in Matthew, he just tells Satan to go, well, well why did he do that at first? Instead of having Satan bother him for the whole section, he'd just be like, hey, go away. Apparently, <laughs> well, he, he had to make the point, though, that you're not supposed to test God and you're supposed to be humble, right? And then Luke, yeah. Satan just pussies out and gives up. Well, that's sort of like asking, like, why Neo went ahead and fought, like, several dozen Agent Smiths whenever he could have just flown away at any given time. <laughs> he, just, he was just testing his own limits. That's all it was. Okay, so we've got Star Wars Matrix. My references are cooler than yours. I also just figured out that you can click on the little books on this section to go to that part in the other gospel. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, dude. <laughs> I, okay, I, I have been drinking. <laughs> All right, let's move in. Let's move into Jesus starting his public ministry. If you guys really? are public okay. ministry, it is public ministry. So in Mark one, one fourteen, fourteen. Yeah, in Mark one fourteen to fifteen, right? Yeah, right. This is the Jesus opens his public ministry by saying, "The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand." There's that recurring theme: the kingdom of God. Repent and believe in the gospel. He doesn't say what the gospel is here, but you know, believe it. 
and I'm, in I'm, Matthew you get a, a, effectively you get an abridged message repent the kingdom of heaven is at hand and in Luke you get none of that you get basically squat I'm going to assume the gospel is just what he's preaching like, so at this time yeah it's a good news it's yeah a, what is the good news in, in Mark? That's a question we'll have to get to eventually. Uh, I don't expect we can do it just yet. But hopefully by the end of the book, it'll be clear to us what the gospel of Mark is and whether it's been uh, upgraded in the synoptics, the other synoptics. Yeah, what's the difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven? I don't think there is one. I mean, I, I honestly think those are used interchangeably. But In each one? I would agree. They, okay. Like, or at least... I was going to say, from my experience in the church, they're both pretty used, pretty interchangeably. <laughs> and it's one of those phrases that came about, like, came to popularity within the inter- intertestamental period. You won't find it in the Old Testament, but you will find it in the Apocrypha. What, gospel? Kingdom of God. Oh. Or kingdom of heaven. It's in the Wisdom of Solomon, so it is in the Apocrypha. What's in the Apocrypha? It's, the Wisdom of Solomon is an apocryphal book, as you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the phrase, uh, uh, Kingdom of God, is... I think that's the earliest Bible reference to it, is is in Wisdom of Solomon. Oh, oh yeah, this is... They were reading the Greek, and they were... They read the um, the Apocrypha just as if it was any old... old right. Testament. In the first century Judea, there was not... Uh, the, the Apocrypha were not cordoned off as... Yeah. It's a medieval part. thing. It's weird right. how like we just take that for granted that oh the apocrypha is this fake shit they added later, but <laughs> right. I mean, it turns out all of it is fake shit that was added well, later. Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, every single book is fake shit. It's, 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 Genesis it's, is fake shit that was added mm. later to the Enuma Elish. <laughs> was, was the this... apocrypha done away with during the Council of Nicaea, or was that post that? No, 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 no. no it was done away time. with during Martin Luther's time. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. They were like, this isn't in the Hebrew, so it's not real. Even though the Hebrew and the Greek just kind of like diverged. And so we don't know. Just because it was translated to Greek doesn't mean it was less. Doesn't mean the Hebrew didn't also evolve. Right. Just because it's not apparently more here. Told everyone to write stuff in Greek. Mm. Isn't Mm. Mark written in like really poor Greek? Relatively everyday Greek. I don't know if poor is the right word. I don't want to be prescriptivist. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that's you've made it you've made it clear that you don't want to be prescriptive anyway. <laughs> God, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole right now. That, that was very unabby of you just now. <laughs> putting down God, his Greek. God chose Greek when Alexander took over everything. Yeah. That uh, that was roughly when he chose Greek. Speaking of choosing, God chose some disciples. <laughs> and Mark oh. 1, 16 through 20. What an amazing nice. way. Oh, thank you. Nice <laughs> save. Let me say, Simon, well, we'll start with the, right. It, it was Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, or Simon who is called Peter and Andrew his brother. I, I didn't see anything terribly uh, interesting in this part. It's just like, he's calling some disciples. Well, I, I did think the phrase fishers of men was unduly gory. <laughs> like, it sounds to me like like if it, if we'd never heard that phrase in in Sunday school and stuff, it would sound like like the sequel to Sauce Five or something, <laughs> like Saw Six: Fishers of Men. And just, you just picture people with like giant hooks in their faces. You know? Are the disciples called in Luke, or does Luke skip over that? He doesn't preserve this particular pericope. If he has a 
calling of the disciples it's uh, it's his own original material that looks nothing like this well this is just the first few right oh, that's I mean, true it's just, it's just simon and andrew and then the sons of zebedee right who are also called the sons of thunder that's right i think it's kind of weird that um we kind of forget that jesus asked people to leave their families <laughs> yeah at least these are grown men and they're, they're grown men but they're still helping their dad families yeah it doesn't say that they have wives or anything, but I guess we don't know. Like, you know that family business you're doing? That shit. Come on. Let's go. I'll yeah. show you what's up. Let's just go Be on the road, man. and we'll just, like, eat magic fish. It'll be sweet. Road trip. <laughs> but later on, Jesus still has him fishing, like, all the time. So he's, like, it's like he calls people that he knows can feed him as his yeah. first people that he calls. He's, like, so throughout close. the rest of the book, he's, like, they're at the lake, they're at the lake, they're at the lake. They're always at the lake. I wonder they're why. They're probably helping him with his parables, like... Hey, what's a good way I can make this into a parable? Yeah, we we need a story about loaves and fishes. <laughs> it's always with the fishes in the lake. Uh, well, we're gonna see. I should add this to my list of recurring themes. They're always hanging out at the the big lake. Lake Galilee. Yeah. Cool place even, to go. Yeah, it is. And it has a natural amphitheater if you go a little far away from the shore on a boat, which we'll get to. Okay, moving on. Amphitheaters teaching. What? Apparently, no. it's done on the Sabbath. Oh my god, that was kind of awkward, but still impressive. I don't know. Mark 1, 21 through 22. Yeah, 1, 21 through 22. Jesus teaches on the Sabbath. Um, That bastard. Oh, why is Matthew so short? Matthew doesn't exist in this one. Oh, never mind. Just Mark and Luke. Wait, what about 728? Oh, I don't know. My other one has it, but it's really should never mind. It's so short. No, that's not nothing to compare. I don't think that's what I would call parallel. And, and that brings up an interesting point. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to know when they really is a parallel. Like in this case, like would you really claim that Matthew seven twenty eight is derived from Mark one twenty one? I mean, Mark one twenty two. Maybe, maybe not. You know, because uh, that's just shoved in at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Okay. I think that's that's what I would call a a weak cross reference. It's, <laughs> it's not it's not very yeah it's a bit of a stretch. It's not like um, Luke four thirty one and thirty two, which is clearly parallel to Mark one twenty one and twenty two. It's like this. Yeah, Matthew same. is basically he. They liked him because he sounded smart. Right. <laughs> right. Hey, so he goes. Is, to, yeah. Is that what the what the authority what, thing means? Like I no, I don't think straight. it's about him sounding smart. I think it's about him sounding like. He's not just retelling the old stories. He's he has original ideas. He's saying he's not just regurgitating the scrolls. He's great. Okay. <laughs> so, so basically, this... he's going to throw out some amazing agricultural metaphor when no one expects it. So... <laughs> that's, what, that's that's how he rolls. So this guy has to be the son of God because he's original, and God's a farmer. Gotcha. A new teaching. Which... Still going back to the agricultural verses. Oh, there's lots of those. Oh, uh, is this his first exorcism? We'll get to that in just a second. Okay. We're still talking about the noble savage. Oh, sorry. No, we're not. We're, we're going on to the exorcism. It's more fun. Okay. Exorcism. Okay, so Mark 1, 23 through 28 is when Jesus really starts like going off on stuff. Starts doing amazing shit. Uh... And in this case, uh, oddly enough, Mark and Luke exactly match in red letter, which is very unusual. Yeah. But, yeah, it's indicative. Luke's uh, looks a lot like Mark here. 
I uh, I found this this passage like disconcerting because you know either is you know it's made up it's just a made up story or Jesus was like Bob Larson he was like went around pretending to cast demons out of people right which basically means like there's these people that have they have issues some of them have real psychological issues mm-hmm. uh, and what Jesus does is you know he uh, he goes through a ceremony gets them all worked up and then they there's a release and then they calm down and they feel better for a bit and he says you're healed you know and then the next day or the next week they go back to whatever their issue is it just you know crops up and they feel like sinful for not staying cured like like every other faith healer and exorcist and these are two slightly different things it just looks like a big con game to me he's he's doing this this <laughs> routine uh and and if, if you want to see what this routine looks like i mean i recommend that you youtube it or you go watch some of bob larson's exorcisms on um, see the guy that hits people with a coat no <laughs> <laughs> i hope not but I mean, anyway, I, I'm just thinking of like somebody who does exorcisms nowadays. Like he came to Oklahoma City to the Hilton here, and he did an exorcism here in the Oklahoma City Hilton, and it featured John Safran, incidentally, which is why I got to see it on film. I wasn't there at the time. John but, Safran, the one that has the John Safran versus God show. Yeah, it was on, it was episode eight of his show. Well, I can't yeah. remember if that was John Safran or if it was a different name before it. No, yeah. It's episode 8 of John Safran vs. God. Bob Larson comes to Oklahoma City and gives John Safran a massive exorcism. That's fantastic. <laughs> and it's very entertaining because you know that John Safran is just f***ing around. He's just playing along. <laughs> but if, if you know, for the other people that came to really be cured of their ailments, it's a huge con. It's just really sad for them. Because they think they're going to get fixed. And all they're really going to get is, you know... A big rush from being on stage and having everyone pay attention to them for a bit. You're saying Jesus is one big placebo. <laughs> I think what you're saying is that Mark and Luke are bad reporters, and that they need to go <laughs> a little more in depth and interview the people after Jesus had left them in their good state. Yeah, where's the follow up? Where follow is the follow up? Sure. Like, hey, Legion, how you feeling now? <laughs> I still feel bad. And now they blame me for these pigs. Yeah, fine. <laughs> and now everyone's everyone's billing me for the cost of these pigs. So is that one of your recurring <laughs> themes that you said that that demons recognize Jesus as the son of the son of God? Well, that's, that's filed under messianic secret. That's uh, demons recognize him for who he is, and he tells them to shut up about it. Got it. So it's filed under the theme of messianic secret. So does Matthew related to but distinct from idiot disciple thing? <laughs> mm-hmm. So does Matthew cut all the demon stuff out because it's weird? Not all of it, but here he does. He does. He doesn't bring in any of it because he has legions. Yeah, he has exorcisms later. Because uh, here's where Mark and Luke match up, but not Matthew. Which is... Yeah, I don't have an explanation for why Matthew would leave this out. It doesn't seem like there's anything embarrassing about it. I don't know. But anyway, I'm going to stop bitching about exorcists and how I think they're con men. <laughs> We all know that. Uh, I'm going to bitch some more here in the next setup. In the next <laughs> pericope. Oh, Jesus, Jesus heals, heals people. people. How could you complain about that? How could anyone like bitch about <laughs> faith healing? Well, I've been reading James Randi, The Faith Healers, a book that I recommend to everyone. Like everyone must read this book about what the faith healers are really like. He's you know he went around and interviewed and followed them around and interviewed their their subjects mainly. You know, he did the follow up. Mm-hmm. 
And so they'd find out that these people, like, they felt really good on stage, and then, you know, they'd go back to being sick. But the thing is, they threw out all their pills Ugh. on faith. So now they're sick, and they're not getting treatment. Wow, so it's not just innocent faith healing. No, it's, no, it's not just, like... Changing their lives. Right, it's not just, like, some good, clean, placebo fun. And that's why I hate faith healers, is because I've read this book now by James Randi. And so when I see Jesus doing these exorcisms and these faith healings, I think, what a dick. <laughs> He's giving these people false hope. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. like, it's like the people who can't walk very well because they have pain. Well, they get a giant adrenaline, adrenaline rush, an endorphin rush, and then they can stand up for a little bit. Yeah. See, I, yeah, exactly. And I used to think that Liar, Lunatic, or Lord was, like, you know, a bit much. Uh, and we need to put legend in there. But And, and I do put it in there. In there. As a, as a viable option, but now I tend to think like, like either he believes he could heal people of demons, which is kind of crazy, or <laughs> he was just another one of those religious con men going around from city to city, uh, making a living off of people who, who, who to this day in the twenty first century go around believing that they can be healed of these afflictions supernaturally. That and that there are probably plenty of these people. I mean, I'm sure it was easy to man- manipulate them. I mean, it's, e- it's easy to manipulate people, people today. Yeah, if there's plenty of people nowadays, after we have science and medicine, yeah, how many more would there have been back then? You know, we, I mean, the, the list of faith healers goes on and on. The Oral Roberts, Bob Larson, Pat Robertson, Benny Hinn, the, Peter Popoff. The guy that can people with his coat. <laughs> yeah, that guy. <laughs> who are you talking about? <laughs> you know who I'm talking about. I really don't. You're going to have to send me a link or something. So, do I just it might be Benny Hinn or someone else. It is Google Benny guy Hinn. who hits people with his oh, coat. <laughs> Benny Hinn, and there's a YouTube with, with him and, I guess, a song, Let the Bodies Hit the Floor. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever seen the ones where they, where they CG in uh, Force Lightning? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, those are great. <laughs> well, you guys are giving yep. me something fun to do tonight after I'm done here. Because there's Benny Hinn ones where he's just taking pe- There's like a line of people, and they start knocking each one of them down, like one after the other. Oh, I'm looking at it right now. But there's no lightning. So they are yeah. falling down. But they, they fall down neatly into their chairs, some of them. Like, I'm going to fall down controlled in my chair. <laughs> so, alright. So he's healing these people who were demon-possessed, or they were sick, they have various diseases. Well, do you guys have anything more to say about that? Benny Hinn goes on tours, just like Jesus Galilean synagogue tour. Three Mark, years only. One thirty-five through thirty-nine. Right, right. We're still in chapter one. God damn it! Yep. <laughs> God damn it! How many chapters are there, Mark? Uh, my dog teabagged me. <laughs> oh, no. You don't share everything, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, preaching in Galilee for one verse. Yeah, there wasn't very ne- anything terribly interesting there. Have you told the demons in the first one to shut up? Why is he going around casting more of them out? Uh, he's he's a big exorcist. He's huge. But he does. It's like people come to him for that. The God we'll sent one guy to walk around and save a couple people from demons. Did I mention how crazy how crazy it is to to me that people say? Well, Jesus was just a good teacher. He was just a good moral teacher. Like, have you guys read the synoptics? He's going around doing faith healing and exorcism. <laughs> that is not good moral teacher. That is, like, bullshit con artist. Where are you getting this good moral <laughs> teacher shit from? And he's a socialist. Yeah, well, we'll get to that. But <laughs> my point is that 
these these books are so heavy on faith healing and exorcism that either you have to believe in faith healing and exorcism, in which case you can believe in this shit, or mm-hmm. you have to believe he's a fucking con man who goes around <laughs> sucking off of people's like like the worst the people who have it the worst of the worst the most like up, not oppressed but the people who've really got sh- the shit end of of life stick. We're living mm-hmm. in tombs. <clears throat> But I mean, like, if even if he was really like ex- exorcisming these people, he's how many people did he actually get to? And then how many people are in the world worth the effort to like? He saved a couple people. They wrote stories about him, and like everyone else in the world can just go to hell. I mean, pretty much. Yep, everyone else in the world can go to hell. That's that's part of the Christian gospel. I mean. Like, a modern doctor saves more lives than Jesus did. Yep, and that's how you know that he's the son of God. But God helps them save <laughs> Wait. A lot Wait. more. But they do it with science. <laughs> Let's do science, It's a lot too. harder. Science is real. Okay. Unlike, unlike Jesus healing a paralytic. Wait, are we past the leper already? No, yeah, there's a leper, then there's a paralytic. the leper? Yeah, you're right. Leper first. Jesus cleanses a leper. That was supposed to have a number next to it. <laughs> we'll get chapter one, verse forty. Indeed, <laughs> Mark one forty through forty five. So Jesus cleanses the leper and tells him to make sure not tell anybody. Even though obviously someone was there. Hey, if, yeah. If you, yeah. Well, if you guys, if you guys were cured and you had leprosy, would you just keep it to yourself? No, I wouldn't. I would go tell everyone to go see that Jesus guy. Also, how would you how would you be able to keep it to yourself? You obviously wouldn't have leprosy anymore. Like, oh wait, yeah, and people would be like, wait a minute, how come you? I can touch you now? Yeah. And obviously, uh, whoever wrote the Gospels wasn't too keen on keeping it to themselves. Yeah. Well, Jesus could have retconned these guys so they wouldn't be able to talk about who healed them. <laughs> well, the leper did talk. He talks about it in Mark, but not in the other ones. No, he talks about it in Mark and Luke, but not in Matthew. Right. Well, unless the healing only got rid of the disease, but did not the disfigurement. Maybe this, maybe Matthew didn't like the fact that people were just uh, not obeying Jesus, the Son of God. <laughs> Screw oh, you, Jesus. I'm going to tell everybody. It really doesn't make much sense, though, even in Matthews. Or if they disobey Jesus, that they still get to be healed. Hmm. Yeah. Was this the start of his Beatlemania phase? I was gonna say, <laughs> maybe he was just being no, humble. No, they were bigger than him. Maybe he was just yeah. being humble. Like, you know what? Don't don't tell anybody about this because this isn't really my shtick. But I'm really into parables. I don't want to keep healing people. Exactly. <laughs> this and is just my, say, my hobby. I can't say I blame him. I'd be much more into parables. You're write the next great epic poem. <laughs> so yeah, Luke and Mark agree. Is that what it is? And that Matthew edit, edits. Matthew's a good editor. He edits a lot of things. He wanted to stand out. Trying to be more catchy. <laughs> yeah, we're already in chapter 8 of Matthew. Yeah, it's kind of odd. Well, it's because they have all this stuff about his virgin birth. and Right. Shit. The Sermon on the Mount, which is like three chapters. Mm. Oh, he's already had the Sermon on the Mount? Yeah, that's chapter 5 through 7, I think. Wow. Mark is really like the bare bones. It is. The bare bones of... Oh, I had this idea. If I won, if I won the Megabucks, 
I would make a movie. It would be a movie for every gospel and only drawing from that gospel's material. And then I'd make a movie about Cortez. So it'd be like a quadruple feature? A quadruple feature? Mm-hmm. Like what, mini- the Jesus quadrilogy? And, and well, they'd yeah, be do it all in one show. They'd be done in Aramaic, like Passion of Christ. <laughs> oh, Only good and not a, not a snuff film? Yeah. <laughs> Alright, so what about this paralytic? Paralytic. Right. It's Mark 2, verse 1, chapter... To Wait, chapter. all these verses are paralytic. <laughs> you should no, stop no. They're parallel. Parabolic? <laughs> Okay. <laughs> they're, they're, they're exponential. I'll be right back. I need another beer. Hyperbolus. Talk amongst yourselves. Uh oh. Now we're missing two. <laughs> Just us. Suddenly very quiet. Uh oh, Capernaum. So, so Jesus is in a, a house and he's besieged by tons of people. And Beatlemania. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's catching on, man. He tried, he tried it to tell no one, but can't keep leprosy a secret, apparently. Come back. It's curing a leprosy. So uh, <laughs> the paralytic wants in really badly, so he cuts the roof off. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, give you got to give the guy some credit. Or his friends. you got to give his, cre- <laughs> his friends. His friends, exactly. Yeah, his friends. He cut a hole in some dude's roof. His friends are <laughs> like, yeah. get this guy... <laughs> Help this guy. We're sick of taking care of him. It was like a thatch roof, though. I mean, come on. Thatch roof cottages? Yeah, it's not that hard. I mean, you just put some more thatch on it. So they dropped him sure in the Mission Impossible style. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the cutting the hole in the roof was not the miracle part. And it was <laughs> like, wow, that's amazing. So like, what's he in Gilbert Grape? <laughs> oh, wait, no. They didn't get her. So we're on Mark 2, 1 through 12 now. Is that right? Yeah. Sorry, I had to go attend to some children. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no problem, man. No problem. Right. So you. this is the part where I raised the question of uh, what is it about being skilled as a healer that makes the connection to your ability to forgive people for things they've done against other people or their deities <laughs> or whatever? So, like, you know, if, if I sinned against Chaz by, like, say, I ran over his cat with my car... Right. Oh, thank you. Please. Yeah. Okay. If, okay. Maybe if I sinned against Chaz's wife by running over that cat. Okay. Uh, whoever cares about that cat, right? And and then like I go to the doctor and and he fixes me um, in some wonderful way and I'm like, thank you, doctor. Thank you so much. You're amazing. You're like the best doctor ever. And he's like, I forgive you for running over Chaz's cat. <laughs> I'd be like, wait a minute. What what does this have to do with like you're a doctor? You heal people. How does that give you power to forgive people for things they did to other people? Like, I don't get... What, why, is it, why is it that the authors seem to assume here that there's an obvious connection between ability to heal and ability to forgive sins? Well, I think that has to do with... I mean, this is a very different time when being healed from something like a physical ailment was something that was very mystical in much the same way as being forgiven of your sons. Versus mystical, like I forgive you of your sins, Paul. Stop looking at my wife that way. You know, (laughs) I forgive you. Well, but as technology has progressed, we've kind of conquered those sorts of things. And at this point in time, they they were not 
conquered by any means. No, I get I get that like healing was was really amazing back then. But but forgiveness of sins is something that we do to each other, humans. We we forgive each other for things that we've done to each other. So I guess the conception here is that only God can forgive sins and only God can heal people. Is that the mentality back then? That Yeah. Okay, where were we? Uh, Jesus calls Levi and Matthew, or Matthew and Matthew. Right. Does he call Levi Matthew, or does he call Matthew uh, Levi? Okay. Well, the names are pretty similar in the Greek. Ah, uh, there's some... They just, yeah, they just have slightly different characters and totally different numbers of different characters, but... Oh, well, shit. But they're not nearly as different as Matthew and Levi? Yeah, they're actually not at all similar. Well, damn. There goes my hypothesis. So why are... Because in one book it's Levi and the other book it's Matthew. Right. Uh, well, in, in Mark it's Levi. In Matthew, it's Matthew. <laughs> Not me. Not me. Jesus calls me, but Matthew. Mark and Luke it's Levi, so Matthew's the odd one out. So maybe right. it's Levi whenever other people are talking about him, but when he likes to talk about himself in the third person, it's Matthew. Yeah, well, <laughs> Matthew's the Greek and Levi's the Hebrew, isn't it? <laughs> what? Is that the explanation? Really? That's that's what the apologists say for real? Oh no, I don't know. I don't know the explanation. Uh, I, I was told that that yes, they were the same. He just had two names. They just gave him a new name. Matthew Levi. They make they look like Romans, right? It's just like there's people... two Simons. There's Simon, Simon Peter, Peter and yeah. Simon. Right. Well, it's the same story Simon, in all Simon three. Shit. It's the same story in all three synoptics, so I can see how they equate Levi with Matthew. It's just not clear to me how that change happened. Uh, but I would note that while the story is obviously the same story in all three, uh, Mark has Jesus say, uh, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And then he also says, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Right? That's what Jesus says in Mark. Now, in Matthew, they add in another sentence where Jesus quotes from Hosea 6.6. 6, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Now, right in the middle of those two other sentences... So either Mark edited out the middle sentence because he thought it wasn't really a good reference to the Bible or something, or Matthew is just adding stuff in to Jesus' dialogue. <laughs> Which is, you know, I, I mean, somebody's somebody's either like a bad reporter, either Mark is a bad reporter or Matthew is improvising, just throwing in, you know, extra Old Testament, gratuitous Old Testament references which were not in the original. I think he didn't do that a lot. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. That's a recurring theme in Matthew, adding in random shit. I think I remember Hosea was talking about Jesus. <laughs> I think Paul mentioned that at the time. What's the point of the whole Old Testament? It's talking about Jesus. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Someone should have told me. But I like the message here. Like for once, for once, like I'm kind of down with the message. I'm like, yeah, that's a positive message. It's assholes like me that need a nice guy like Jesus. That's I like that. I also like the tea party vibe. Why does your rabbi eat with tax collectors? <laughs> <laughs> Screw those guys. And What's wrong with tax There's no centers in the tea party. They're just doing their job. Anyway, um, sorry, we're on Pericope number fourteen. Jesus question on fasting. The W's yes. are vowels. Mark twenty-eight. The W's are mega. Two eighteen right. through twenty-two. 
Mark two eighteen through twenty two. Copy Sorry. that. Okay, so did you guys notice how this uh, the question the questioning here gets uh, Mark doesn't specify who's questioning Jesus about fasting, but so Matthew and Luke both go with di- different explanations as to who's doing that. Matthew says it's John's disciples asking the questions, but then Luke goes with Pharisees and teachers of the law posing uh, the question, the same question. I did not see that. Yeah, so it's like when Mark doesn't specify something, Matthew and Luke are free to go totally different directions with it. This is oh, why wow. I believe in this is why I believe in the two source hypothesis because it's so often when Mark is not specific, Matthew and Luke go different directions, but when Mark is specific, they agree with him. Huh. Well, how do they is reconcile it, that? They can't. They just they just don't bother. make up some bullshit, you know. The disciples of John. If I know my apologist, they would say, Well, all of that is true. <laughs> Everyone asked him the same question. It's in the book, right? I believe I was they could have both asked them the same question. Yeah. Right? I believe I was told that Luke was written to the Greeks and Matthew was written to the Jews. Wait, who does Luke say came to him? The Pharisees. It's in the previous. Oh, yeah. it, it says Pre- they in Luke 5.33, but you have to go up, up oh, a bit into okay. Luke 5 yeah. and track that they back. Okay, and, the Pharisees. And they is Pharisees and teachers of the law earlier on in Luke 5. So it's it's John's disciples and one in in Matthew, but Pharisees and scribes in Luke. Now those are very different groups of people. <laughs> <laughs> but but Mark has it all as like a big mishmash. You know? So that's a good example of I think the two source hypothesis: how Matthew and Luke they'll just to start with Mark and they'll just kind of embellish along whatever lines they're hoping to talk to. They must be so embarrassed that these all got thrown together and we can see the difference. They are mortified. They are in Sheol mortified. All right, so um, John's disciples, that kind of changed, doesn't it? Okay, so they ask they ask uh, Jesus, why do John's disciples fast and pray? And so do the, the Pharisees, but years go on eating and drinking, having a great time. Because right. Jesus is fun. Exactly. It must be life of the party. Don't talk to the Pharisees. Go over there. Come with me. Well, and Jesus kind of answers with this strange sort of parable about grass, about guests of the bridegroom mourning while he's with them. Well, it's mourning in one of them. Right. And Matthew, I think. It's yeah. And Matthew. Morning. The other one is still fast. Yeah. I remember being taught in church that this was Jesus, like technically his first prophecy of his own death. It was like, look, I'm here. That's what they were trying to do, yeah. Yeah, he's like, look, I'm here. Everyone should celebrate because it's awesome because I'm going to die soon. <laughs> also, I didn't know that groom is a shortened version, a shortened version of bridegroom. Oh, yeah, you kind of have to know that for this to make sense. Are we still in chapter two? Yeah. We've got to at least get yeah. to chapter three before the end of the evening. Yeah, we're in chapter two. We've got eight minutes. <laughs> Let's do it. Plug greater than Sabbath. So, yeah. Got, my my question Sabbath. is, who is, who is the bride in this analogy? Isn't Jesus? Jesus? No, yeah, I thought... Jesus is the bridegroom, clearly. Oh. He's the groom. He's still with them. Uh, hey, that's like a good point. Everyone... The disciples, like the, the disciples are the guests of the bridegroom. So, like, this is a big yeah. bachelor party metaphor. The disciples are the guests <laughs> of the bridegroom, the groom. Let's just say groom. 
So Jesus is the groom. He's got his buds. They're going partying. Yeah, they're going to Vegas. They're having a big party because the groom is still with them. But then the groom's going to be... Leave him on the roof. Yeah, the, the groom's going to be taken away by that bitch that he's marrying, and then they will be sad. Is that bitch the cross? It's Asherah. <laughs> I don't know. That's, that's, it's sort of... Uh, it, I, you don't get to ponder this problem because immediately you're thrown into this whole like wineskins and sewing analogy, which throws you all off, and you're like, wait, what does that mean? <laughs> But I want to stick on the on the groom thing. Like there's this a bachelor direction. party. Jesus is answering with the bachelor party retort, which is cool. But what? Who's the bride in this analogy? Who is who is Jesus marrying? And I think we'll get to that answer in the epistle. So I'm just going to leave that there as foreshadowing. Yes. Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> Spoiler alert. With your Bible college. <laughs> <laughs> So Wall Street is not open on the Sabbath, but yeah. Jesus is apparently the Lord of it. Mark 2, 23 through 28, Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. This is basically where he says that, wait, no. Oh, 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 I have a factoid here. Oh, go on. He mentions that, um, he recalls a story about David stealing from the temple when Abithar was the was the head priest. Mm-hmm. Abiathar was not the head priest. His father, Ahimelech, was the priest when this happened in First <gasps> Samuel 21. Oh, no. So the author of Mark is having a little slip of the mind in getting his high priests confused, which is easy to do. It's a slip of the mind. Who can, who can keep track of all the high priests? I know I didn't catch that. Yeah, I didn't catch it either. I totally caught it. Apparently. <laughs> Jesus. I just I I know my high priests. That that's Abitar, why you're here, Abby. Somebody really misses her Hebrew. <laughs> that's fantastic. There will be plenty of callbacks to the Old Testament. Speaking of which, in this particular pericope, Matthew twelve, one through eight, once again Matthew gratuitously throws in Hosea six six six, which we saw earlier. Does he, he like kinda, that? He's like, well, Jesus is talking, and I know that Mark didn't say Jesus said this, but I'm going to go ahead and put this in here because I'm Matthew, and I can do that. So he throws in the I desire mercy, not sacrifice line again, even though it's not in his source in Mark. Let it not be said that Matthew is overly honest with his sources. <laughs> so this is Jesus, Jesus basically thumbing his nose at the authority. And like, don't you see the priests tell you to follow these rules, but they don't follow it themselves. Hmm. I I love what he says in Mark here. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Yeah. I love that line. Incidentally, Chaz, your mom quotes it a lot. Uh, but <laughs> it, it, she does. But I mean, every time we argue about this, she brings this up, and I'm like, that's a great line. But next time we talk about it, I'm going to say, you know, Matthew and Luke don't seem to be aware of the fact that Mark that Jesus said that. <laughs> In Mark, because they edit it out, both of them. They just edit it right out. Would they both edit it out? Yeah, Matthew and Luke are like, uh-uh, we're not keeping that. So they keep in most of the, the pericope, but they, they edit out that really punchy line from Mark, which I liked a lot. Wait. But they kept the, the part version... about him being Lord of the Sabbath. Oh, wait, what yeah, did yeah, they cut out? 
that that the Sabbath is made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Oh, okay, okay. But the son of the man is Lord. Yeah, but in Mark, like he says this punchy line, and then he says, "So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath," as if like that punchy line explains the next line. Now, Mark, Matthew, and Luke both include the next line, but not the line right before it, which I think I think I think it's really odd. Like I don't know how an inerrantist or a Christian who really believes that the the Bible is reporting what really happened can can get by with this because like the. Clearly, the other synoptics are just redacting out the bits they don't like, and that's you know that's cool and all if yeah. you know if you're uh, the Associated Press or, or <laughs> Fox News, but this is not okay if you're an errant, you know, if you're like the Blame word God. Associated Press. Sorry, yeah, that was a bit of a deliberate shot at the AP there. State but secrets. I I, just, uh, I don't get it. I don't get how why how do you, you can think roll they cut that. it? What's wrong with that? It's changing the theological conception of the sabbath i think it's more it's like anarchistic really this is part Uh, of why i believe there is an historical jesus is because he says these things that are so against the grain of uh rabbinical thought that they get just basically cut out of (laughs) like later editions and i think maybe there was a dude that really said this stuff because why would they ever put it in otherwise Clearly, they're embarrassed about it. Just like ten, twenty years later, so maybe it does go back to an authentic tradition. I don't know. I'm not with the uh, the, the mythers on on. Well, I'm agnostic. I generally honest. doubt that. Well, I'm sure you can't really disprove a historical Jesus, but I really doubt that they have many authentic quotations. I would bet on this one. I would would bank on Mark 2.27 as authentic if I had to bet on one or two. It's not like he had a court stenographer following him and recording (laughs) his every word. Right. But like when he says a a line and then he says the next line, so the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath, as if it follows right from that first line. And then the first line gets cut out of all the official history. Like that to me says (laughs) that like there there was a shaggy dude going around saying stuff. That they just they just couldn't tolerate later on. They had to cut it out of his own tradition, like the people that followed him. Uh, now, I guess there's an alternate explanation: is just that the marking community was, you know, more countercultural than than either the Matthean or Lucan communities that received their gospels. That's possible. Mm-hmm. But I mean, to me, that's a pretty radical thing in light of rabbinic Judaism. To, to try try going up and saying that to just some you know rabbi on the street. <laughs> in Tel Aviv or wherever. So. Challenge accepted. Okay, so next time we're going to pick up on uh, on uh, number 16. Yes, Part sir. three. Shit. We're going to have <laughs> Yeah, we this need might... to pick out things we really like. Yeah. Well, so we, we need to have Zechariah and Malachi to go over next week. We'll have an extra half hour. Yeah, and we'll be focused Hopefully. Totally focused. I'm sorry. I didn't digress on Wall Street. I was already three beers down by the time we started the New Testament. I'll be synoptastic. Oh my god, you cannot cut that. No, I'm going to leave that in. We actually have a little bit longer than, than the four weeks. I, 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 I set it out for the four weeks, like the 5th, the 12th, the 19th, the 26th. But we really also have November 2nd. Because we don't have to start on the Gospel of John until November 4th. Mm. So we really do have five weeks altogether. 
So Gospel of John's me fun. Uh, I I disagree, I but you know. <laughs> I did. Gospel I, of I, John's I, just weird. I read the synoptics a little while ago. I think in KJV, so I didn't really understand any of it. But I've never read John. Okay. Well, anyway, we'll get through as much as we can next time, and we'll see where we end up. Sweet. And, yeah. Okay. I will try not to like go off on my little rants again as much. I mean, I'll still have a few, but no more Wall Street talk. <laughs> no, no, we're not gonna we're not gonna go off topic next time. Well, Wall Street looks fixed next time. If you guys want, we can just start meeting on Sunday mornings as well. Because <laughs> I'm I'm totally yeah. free on Sunday mornings. I get my reading done on Sunday mornings. Oh, never mind that. I do. Uh, I build monkey habitats on Sundays. Like, I went to all really? the trouble of putting in 38 more pericopes for week two, and, like, I don't even know if I'm going to need them. I have uh, 5% left on my battery. <laughs> all right, so I'll see you guys next week when we'll start in on pericope number 16. See you guys. Already. All right, God, God bless you all. See you next week. Night. Bye. Good night. Bye.